Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Let me encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And uh, today we're going to continue in looking at the Christmas stories that uh, we have been covering over the past couple of weeks in December here. We have looked at the prophecies in the Old Testament of the promises of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9 that talk about the son and the child being born and given and the wonderful names of uh, Counselor and Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And uh, we've also seen in Matthew chapter 1 where the angel told Joseph that you'll name this new child Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So we're told from the very beginning that Jesus was dispatched to planet Earth on a rescue mission, a rescue mission to deliver Humanity from sin, as the Bible is very clear, I think even our worship team shared a verse that the wages or the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So at Christmas time, we see Jesus was gift wrapped in humanity as a package of peace for us to open and experience a new relationship with God. And then last night at our Christmas Eve services, which I love because I, I feel like it's the, the, the one moment during the Christmas season where you can pause and just be quiet and, and reflective. And so we had carols that we were singing last night and a, and a message from the scriptures of, of Luke chapter 2 and the birth of Jesus and, and uh, Joseph and, and Mary and the angels uh, declaring to the shepherds who were out watching their flocks by night that there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this was good news of great joy. So we've been looking at these themes of the peace of God, the hope of God, the joy of God. And today we're going to be looking at worship and adoration because we're focusing in on the wise men. And the story here in Matthew chapter 2 tell us that these wise men came. We don't know exactly how uh, how much, you know, beyond Jesus' birth that, that they came, but it was sometime later that these wise men came to, to worship. So the title of the message today is Fall on Your Knees, and these are phrases from the common Christmas carols that we sing, Fall on Your Knees. In fact, that's what the, the wise men do when they come in and see the baby, uh, the child Jesus. And the point that we want to remember today, just kind of the main point of chapter 2 in Matthew is that Jesus' arrival or his birth brings an array of emotions. And those emotions uh, include adoration and worship from the wise men. It also includes apathy and indifference from the religious rulers who knew that the scripture spoke of the Messiah being born in Bethlehem, but they weren't interested in going and seeing him. So there's apathy. We also see aggression and emotion that is displayed by Herod, because his authority is threatened. And so there's a lot to get to. We'll jump into Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east 
and have come to worship him. So right up front, we are told about the mission and the purpose of the wise men coming to Jerusalem. It is to worship. And so these wise men, kind of the first point in looking at this chapter, the wise men seek Jesus with many gifts. Now, later on, we're told that the wise men bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And uh, many of our lawn displays with the wise men, there's three wise men. We don't know how many wise men came uh, to offer their gifts. And probably it's because we have these three gifts that we think about the three wise men. But uh, we don't even know exactly where these wise men came from. The actual word being used for wise men here in the text is magi. And that means that they were maybe teachers or astrologers, scientists or, or instructors. And if they came from the east, then these are distant lands. And uh, this is actually uh, the direction of the rising sun. So we don't know exactly where. It could be Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Pakistan, India, China, just east of Jerusalem. However, we do know that they came with a couple of questions. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? So they expected to find answers when they went to Jerusalem. They expected anticipation of this king that was born, and yet they didn't find answers, and they didn't find a stir of of activity in, in Jerusalem looking for this king. They found animosity from King Herod, which is later on in this story, and apathy, just kind of indifference. So we don't really care. But we're also told that they came to worship, and this word worship It literally means to have a priority of attention and affection. When you look biblically at this feeling or sense of worship, it means to turn and and to focus our attention onto something or someone. And I think it's been said before that, you know, every single one of us are, are worshiping something or maybe someone, and we can indicate our worship by our attention and our focus. A lot of times it's, uh, where we spend the majority of our time or where we spend the majority of our money is, tends to be an indication of what we worship or what we adore is another word. We sing that in the carols, which means to cherish or to glorify or to exalt. And so these wise men are coming to worship and set their affection. Now, I know during the Christmas season or maybe just during life in general, that there are many things that can distract us and keep our attention off of the main thing, off of the real thing, and uh, onto other things that are not going to give us peace, they're not going to give us hope, and they're not going to last. It's, um, it's going to be fleeting. And so this is just kind of a, a reminder and encouragement during the Christmas season of where our affection and our attention is on. And I have found that if my attention attention and focus is not on God, then I begin to have the other W word in my life, and that's worry. And worry, I have found, has tend to be a, a warning sign in my life that I'm worshiping something other than Jesus. And it's kind of like the, um, the check engine light on the dashboard of your car. And worry, when it begins to stir in my heart, it means that I'm focusing on things that um, aren't as important in life. And the older I get, uh, I realize that, man, time goes by so quick. And we spend so much time on things that really do not matter in life. Except for this wonderful relationship that we have with God. And so this worry can prop up in our lives. In fact, Jesus 
told his followers, do not worry about what you will wear, what you will eat, or, or where you will live, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Once again, we see the wise men seeking to worship God, and this is a great opportunity to let go of all those things that are um, competing for our attention in life and focus in and worship and adore the one who deserves all of our, of our worship. There's another scripture that talks about how we should offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And that means our entire lives, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, this is our reasonable act of worship to him. Now we're told later on in this story that the wise men bring a couple of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now on a practical sense, this was definitely some resources that this young family needed as they fled from the dangers of Herod trying to seek the child's life. So they were able to use these gifts and resources to uh, provide for, for them in life. But we can also see that gold is a, is a spiritual symbol or representation of royalty. Incense is a a symbol of divinity, and myrrh is a symbol of mortality. And so we can see from the very beginning, not looking too far into this or making too much of it, but yet recognizing the symbols of Jesus' birth and the gifts that are presented to Jesus at his birth, of the picture of Jesus being the royal king of kings, as well as the incense and the picture of Jesus being fully God in his divinity, and as well as the myrrh and the immortality that he was to lay down his life later on. Now, as the wise men come into Jerusalem, they ask these questions. And notice what Herod does in the following verses, verse 3. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes, all the people together... He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now the chief priests were the pastors, the the leaders, the religious rulers of the time. They were the ones to know the scriptures, to interpret the scriptures, to understand and teach the scriptures. And Jesus had a very volatile relationship with the religious rulers. Uh, This past year we studied the Gospel of Mark here at Quest Church and we saw that Jesus Uh, was very angry with the religious rulers because they were very hypocritical. They knew all the scriptures, but they did not allow those scriptures to change their lives. And uh, they didn't live according to the scriptures. And so Jesus uh, was very aggressive against them. And so Herod knew where to turn. He turned to the pastors, the leaders, and he said, Where is the Christ to be born? So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. Now we know, according to the story, that Herod was not interested in worshiping this new king that was born because this new king was threatening Herod's authority. In fact, Herod wanted to destroy and eliminate the threat of this child. And uh, we see that 
in verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, that is the wise men. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over the young child. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Everyone say worship. Finally, they come in, they see Jesus, and they worship him, falling down. This is a posture of surrender. There's other different postures of worship. You can raise your hands. uh, You can bow your head. You can bend your knee. You can even fall down. I think the pictures of every, every single person who encounters or has a vision of Jesus or of God in the scriptures can't help but fall down because of the beauty and the majesty and the power and the awe of God. And so this is what they do. They fall down, they bend their knee, and they worship. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. This is one of many dreams that are mentioned here in Matthew 2 as a way that God uses to warn and lead and guide the people that are associated with Jesus and his birth. But secondly, we see the apathy as well as the hostility. The rulers secretly conspire with jealous motives in order to eliminate the threat. Herod does a couple things. One is because of his intimidation as Herod with his royalty and being the ruler, he forms an investigation. And we know quite a bit about Herod. In fact, he was a very uh, ruthless leader. He was a wealthy political administrator, but he was also prone to paranoia and fits of rage. And so um, the Bible here, the verses say that Pharaoh, or excuse me, Herod was troubled. And this word troubled means restless fear, anxiety, and distress. So notice what happened to the city. When the ruler was angry and upset, all the city knew about it. And they were very fearful because they were wondering, well, what is Herod going to do next because of his fits of rage and paranoia? And we know that he secretly conspires with the religious rulers. Now, I find it interesting that the rulers knew exactly where to go to understand where the Christ was to be born. In fact, all of Scripture points to the person of Jesus Christ. You remember after Jesus um, resurrected from the dead, that he spent some time with some of his disciples, and he shared a Bible study with them. And he went through all the law and all the prophets and all the Psalms and declared to them where the Christ was in these scriptures, how he was to suffer and give his life for the forgiveness of sins. And so the point of scripture is the person of Jesus. When you Flip through the pages of the Old Testament. We see Jesus in the prophets. We see Jesus in the Psalms. We see Jesus in the promises of God. There's another phrase that's mentioned in the stories of Jesus' birth. All this was fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. That Jesus fulfilled anywhere from over 300 specific prophecies being fulfilled by Jesus in his life, ministry, and death. These rulers understood biblical information, but they overlooked personal transformation. They overlooked the importance and the significance of allowing the truth of God's word make an impact in their lives. They could tell Herod where the Messiah was to be born, but they could care less to go and worship him. Many people know the Greek and Hebrew. They know the address of the the verses in, in the Bible. They could eloquently speak and retell the stories 
But there's no change. There's no transformation in their life. And that's really the point of Scripture. So allow it to soak into our lives. Allow it to transform and change us. So there's apathy and uh, there's hostility. Secretly conspiring. Finding out the truth but not willing to go and discover it for themselves. Now, Herod takes matters into his own, ha- own hands in verse 13. Look with me there. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, the second dream mentioned in this chapter, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. I find it interesting, after all of these dreams, notice that Joseph isn't fearful about these angels and these dreams that are happening to him. Now, the very first one, yeah, he was really freaked out, as many of us would be. But this is just the way that God's kind of divinely speaking to him, and now it's a custom. Now it's just, uh, okay, well, God's going to show up in the intersections of my life, in the uncertain times, or maybe just during the normal routines of life, there is an intervention and an interruption. I think Christmas is a great reminder that no matter what is going on in our life, God can interrupt the normal routines of life to get our attention. He might do that in a dream. He might do that in an audible voice. But more likely than not, he will do that through the word of God because the scripture says God speaks to us through his word. That there are divine interventions and warnings and truths and guidance that God provides for us as we read his word. And God is leading Joseph. He's leading his family. And I just love that because he's faithful to do that in our lives. If you're at a crossroads or an intersection of life and, 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 and you don't know exactly where to go. In fact, uh, later on we're told that this is just the first of many divine interventions. And many different twists and turns before Uh, Joseph and his family settle in Nazareth. They're going to go to Egypt. They're going to flee Bethlehem. They're going to go to Egypt. Then they're going to come back to Jerusalem thinking, oh, everything's good. Herod's dead. But then they're they're warned to go uh, into Nazareth. And so um, there's great fear and great uncertainty that takes place in Joseph's life. I can imagine we can experience some of that as well. But I I have found that that God is faithful to, to guide when we're fearful of the ride, when we're afraid of the journey, when it's uncertain and uh, we're looking at the circumstances around us, God is faithful. I guess another way you could say it is where God guides, God provides. Maybe you've heard that. Or where God leads, he feeds. He's faithful. Didn't we just read that he is the shepherd, I will provide a shepherd. And as a shepherd, the shepherd is among his flock. The shepherd cares and tends for the needs of the flock. Uh, the shepherd is, uh, lays down his life in protection of the flock. And so there is this great leading and guidance of the Lord in this family. And so in verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child. Notice just the simple obedience. And uh, went with his uh, mother by night and departed for Egypt. And they were there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Now, fearing that the new king slipped out of Herod's grip, he devises an evil plan in verse 16. And Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. He sent forth and put put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the districts 
from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled, which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. And then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel." But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid. Everyone say afraid. Very fearful. Even though he's faithfully following the guidance of the Lord, there is still a sense of fear and anxiety. And that can happen even in our own lives. But uh, behold, he was warned by God in a dream and turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in the city of Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Well, we see also the uh, aggression against Jesus, this array of emotion, Herod slaughtering the children in his anger and rage. He was threatened in his authority, and so uh, he tries to eliminate that threat. But he was also very deceiving in his tactics, and this was consistent with Herod's cruel and suspicious and ruthless character. But I think it also brings up an important point. You see, Herod was unwilling to surrender to the true king of kings and lord of lords. He was unwilling to come under the authority of Jesus. And I think that's an encouragement and maybe a challenge for us because we like to take things into our own hands. And we live by our own authority. We live by our own plans sometimes. And uh, when I was living by my own way, I ran my life into a ditch. Just ask my parents. They'll tell you some pretty awful stories about how I lived my life. But there was faithful prayers. And there was a consist- consistent care. And uh, there was uh, love that was present. And so maybe you can identify with, li- with, with years of your life of, of, of living under your own authority, or under your own control. But I found that when I surrendered my life fully and completely to the authority and the control of Jesus in my life, that that released all the worry and all the fear and all the anxiety. And I could trust him no matter what I experienced. And I knew that he was faithful and that he would lead and he would guide and he would provide. And so I think that's a question that we need to all ask ourselves. If you haven't surrendered to the authority of Jesus, Christmas time is a wonderful reminder of don't go the Herod route. Be faithful as the wise men coming to seek. I guess the other question would be, what are you seeking in life today? There's many things that we seek, uh, many things that we seek that we feel would make us happy or content. And uh, the things of planet Earth aren't going to bring us contentment and satisfaction. In fact, Jesus at the, at the well, he encountered a woman who was looking for satisfaction and many other things in life through other different relationships. And he said to the woman, if you drink from this well, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you drink from the water that I give you, you will have streams of living water rushing and gushing out of you. Is a picture of complete satisfaction. And Jesus wasn't talking about the physical water of the well. He was talking about the spiritual concerns and issues of the human heart. And uh, we can see that even today, that there are many things that we try to seek and pursue that are going to bring contentment and happiness or even joy, 
but it doesn't come unless there is the relationship that we have with Jesus, the one who has come to reconcile, to forgive, the one who has come to restore that relationship with God. So you follow the progression here of Matthew chapter 2. We see the wise men coming to seek and worship with many gifts. Now, you might not have gold. Well, you might have gold around your neck if you have a nice necklace or something on your ring. But uh, these wise men brought their treasures. And uh, we can bring whatever God has given to us. We can bring whatever we have in our hands to him and surrender it and bend our knee and worship in adoration. But we can also look to the scriptures. We can see that this promise was foretold many, many years ago and is being fulfilled and was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus and continues on. That uh, we can see in the scriptures the person of Jesus Christ. But we're also encouraged in these verses not to harden our heart or to run away from God, but to recognize this gift that was given to each one of us, to soften our hearts and surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ. And as, as Joseph and his family, they settle in Nazareth, being led by God in various dreams, I believe God desires to do the same in each one of our lives, to lead and to guide. And we do not know what 2023 has in store. In fact, we didn't know what 2020 had in store. I had a big old plan, and I'm sure you did too, of what you wanted to do and where you wanted to travel. And now you're just, now you can finally take that cruise these many years later. We do not know what is in store for us in the future. We don't know what the future holds, but as they say, we know who holds the future. And we can trust as we keep our eyes on him, seeking him first. But there are going to be some difficult intersections. If you're not in one right now and you don't know where to turn, the Bible says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Is the Lord Jesus Christ your shepherd? Because if he is your shepherd, then you shall not be in want. And when you go through the valleys of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because he's right there with you. He's protecting you and he's guiding you. But you can expect God's intervention at life's difficult intersections. Expect it. He's going to show up. That as you search the scriptures, he is faithful to guide you and to lead you. So we're going to have our worship team come on up and lead us in a closing song of worship. But just a couple of takeaways here for us as we wind down 2020 and begin a new year. The encouragement from these verses is to place Jesus as the number one priority in our lives. Oh, sure, it's fun. I love to see the joy on my son's face. In fact, he, he's at such a great age during the Christmas time. He's so excited, not only for his own gifts, but he's excited for other people. He loves tradition and the holidays, and he loves the family all around, and uh, it's just a special time. There's just such joy on his face. So there's this encouragement to enjoy family and enjoy gifts, but also to enjoy the highest priority of a relationship of worship and attention and focus on Jesus. I guess if that's one thing that I can encourage you in going into this new year is to set your focus on Jesus. He will never lead you astray. He will never take his focus off of you 
because his love is everlasting. Secondly is to practice a lifestyle of worship and surrender. There are going to be those difficult situations where we feel like we need to make things happen, where we need to fix things. And maybe the best thing that you can do is open up your hands and open up your heart and say, God, I can't fix this. God, I don't know where to go. I surrender to your will and to your purpose because I know you have my best interests in mind. And then lastly, to present our fears to God and follow his leading. This is the example of the wise men coming to Bethlehem and falling on their knees. And we can do the same this Christmas. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. We thank you for the truth that it brings and uh, the reminder of your presence and closeness. And we are thinking about these emotions. And maybe we can go through an array of emotions just even in 10 minutes. (laughs) Because our emotions go up and they go down. We can feel really joyful in one sense, but then we can feel really lonely. And our emotions are, are so fickle that we can't trust them. So maybe if you're prone to the frantic nature of emotions, let me encourage you as we sing this song on Christmas morning to surrender those roller coaster emotions to God. He can steady your heart. He can settle your mind and he can give you peace that passes all understanding. We thank you that all of that is gift wrapped in Jesus born in the manger. We love you, we worship you, we adore you. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.